You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey, and I'm sitting down with Chelsea Blackbird, aka the Christian nutritionist. She is a nutritional therapy practitioner who works with Christian women to optimize metabolism and food peace. She uses biblical guidance and simple strategies to keep busy women focused on more God and better health. She is married to a cattle rancher, has three kids, and does a weekly podcast called The Christian Health Club, which I highly recommend for just a good deep dive in all things health and Jesus. (laughs) So I am excited to have Chelsea back on. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're going to have a great conversation because it is fall. It is fall ish, depending on where you live and depending on what your heat is like, but, um, I love fall for a thousand reasons, but I wanted to have you on because I know that you've spoken quite a bit about eating seasonally Mm -hmm. and utilizing the plants that are grown during particular times of the year to benefit our bodies because our bodies do work better when we're eating seasonally. It seems like from what I'm reading and hearing and listening to you say, so I, yeah, I I just want to dive into all of that. So first off, what, what do you love about fall? Um, oh gosh, well, being here in Texas, as you know, I'm looking forward (laughs) to less heat. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and just the cool breezes and, but I just love fall foods. I love pumpkins and squashes and cinnamony, clovey things. And those things just make me so happy. And so, um, I just love the fall, everything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I, and, and you're right. The spices, there's something about the spices that are warm and mm-hmm. soothing. And there's, I think there's something about that. I think that as we are, you know, kind of winding down from summer and we're shifting just internally, maybe even emotionally for a lot of us, there's something about having the warmth and the soothing. And I, I don't know what that's about. Have you ever just processed that thought about what that, what that could be? Um, well, I think, you know, as we transition into fall and then into winter, all of these kind of warming foods, um, do help us, um, as we, as we move into the cooler months and, you know, the summer, Summer and fall are really known as higher carbohydrate times of the year, um, where we're getting more carbs and unfortunately to kind of fatten up (laughs) for winter, right? Because, um, you know, uh, naturally in winter time, um, things are a little bit leaner um, on the earth. The, you know, the the ground is frozen and things are, you know, dying, Um, plants are uh, you know, losing their leaves and things aren't growing as much. And so, um, we just have these kind of warming foods here at the, you know, in, in the fall to kind of prepare us for the winter months. So, yeah. And that's one of the things that I love about your approach is you do take kind of just this ancestral natural, like true natural approach as to, you know, what our bodies need, just looking at it from, an all time perspective, not just, you know, in the last 50 years, what do we know scientifically about the body, but what do we know intuitively about our bodies and our body's needs over time? And so what are some things that, that you have learned about eating seasonally and the benefits of eating seasonally for our bodies? 
Yeah. I think this is so fascinating because I, you know, I think a lot of us here, oh, it's good to eat seasonally. And we're like, okay. Um, yeah, I like pumpkins. Let's eat pumpkins for fall. You know, that's fun. But really, um, if you think about it, I think we've become kind of disconnected for, from the reason why or, or how, or, you know, what that's really about. When we think about it historically, um, people ate by region and by season. Um, there was no other choice. <laughs> you know, it wasn't until the um, onset of food globalization that you could go and get any food any time of the year. You know, you want mangoes in February? Awesome. You know, you want apples in, in March or April or May? Great. If you want Brussels sprouts and, you know, June, whatever, you know, but that's not how it used to be. Um, people had limited food availability and they were only able to eat regionally and seasonally. And so I think, you know, that's a really important perspective, um, to keep in mind. I think it's awesome that we have the food availability that we have now, and we have exposure and unlimited access to food. Um, it's what I kind of call a blurse, really. It's kind of a blessing and a curse <laughs> because it does disconnect us from the earth and, um, what is growing regionally, seasonally, and what are the best foods for us? And so seasonally speaking, it's really interesting because there are more studies being done on how our microbiome is really supposed to kind of match up with the season um, and the foods of the season. You know, um, we have a synergistic relationship with our gut bacteria. You know, we feed our gut bacteria and in return, they help us break down our food and utilize it for vitamins and minerals and fuel, and then also uh, fortify our immune systems. And studies are showing that um, really we're meant to, our, our bacteria are meant to change with the seasons. There was a study done on an African tribe, hunter gatherer tribe, and they studied their microbiome. And it showed that in one season, a certain kind of uh, bacteria were you know, highly populated, but that they were virtually non-existent in the next season. And then it was completely dependent on what food uh, available they had. Um, and then there was another study done that showed that there, were, there was a rise of a certain kind of bacteria um, in the summer time um, that really thrived and worked on carbohydrates. And then another kind of bacterial strain that flourished more in the winter, which is uh, more helpful for protein, digesting protein and fat. And that makes sense, right? Because summer and kind of the early fall are the times when we have more carbohydrate, things are flourishing, things are growing. Um, so we would need more of that kind of bacteria to help us break down that kind of food. But as we move into the winter and um, the cooler months and where nothing's growing as much and we'll be more reliant on protein and fat, we would need more of those um, kinds of bacteria. And so I think that that right there really shows us that that's how we're designed and that's how things are supposed to be. Um, but now we kind of live in a you know, we live in a, a world where the food supply, we have carbohydrates available year round, which didn't really used to be the case. You know, it was mostly concentrated or most of them were in the, in the summer and the fall. Um, and so our diet really is kind of supposed to change, you know, along with these seasons. And, um, you know, we kind of do that a little bit of fattening up in the summer and the fall. And then as the winter and the spring 
um, can we, we use that as energy meant to burn that off. And then we kind of start the cycle over again. Um, but because we have this year round food availability, we don't ever have that, that, um, that kind of balance. And so I think that's a lot of the problem leading to obesity and such. Yeah, it really does make a lot of sense just on an intuitive level that we would see changes in seasons, even physically and how we digest food, all of that makes so much sense. So I want to take this second. This is a great place to pause and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Sleep Number. Now, we've been talking about eating seasonally, but you know, for sports fans, when you talk about fall, fall stands for football. So whether it's your own kid on the field, like me, I've got a flag football player this year, or your alma mater or your favorite NFL team, consider the importance of quality sleep for performance. It is a game changer, no matter if you're an everyday athlete or pro. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. Quality sleep can make or break an athlete's performance. Whether you're tackling an event like a marathon or simply want to exercise more consistently, it all starts and ends with your shut eye. And I very much agree with this. It's interesting. I notice that when I have a good night's sleep, everything functions better. And the last few nights, my sleep IQ score has been in the 90s. And I know it has to do with the fact that I am way more aware than I used to be about my sleep habits. I am more aware about making sure that I am going to bed at a consistent time, that I'm waking up at a consistent time. And I love that my sleep tracker on my sleep number bed can let me know how my heart rate is, how my heart rate variability is. And I love being able to see how those numbers change depending on what kind of exercise activity that I participate in during the day. And I'm not alone on that. The Sleep IQ sleepers who do vigorous exercise most often like running, they have the highest Sleep IQ scores and the lowest average heart rates. Sleep IQ sleepers who do gentle exercise like yoga get the most restful sleep. So exercise definitely has an impact on your sleep. But I also got to say that the sleep number bed and being able to track and be more aware of sleep habits, that has made a huge impact on my sleep. Sleepers who routinely use their sleep number 360 smart bed features and sleep IQ technology get almost 100 hours more proven quality sleep per year. My sleep number is 40. I feel like I am floating in a cloud when I go to bed at night. I love my sleep number bed. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Special offers now available for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash wholeness. All right, Chelsea, I want to get back to this whole topic of eating seasonally for fall and embracing fall foods. I want to touch back on what you were saying about our microbiome making changes. And I'd love to know some more benefits to eating seasonally and how it impacts our health. Yeah. And I also just really believe that God is our mighty provider and he put the right foods in, in the right place in the right time for what our body needs at that time. You know, in fact, I've read somewhere that, um, you know, the foods that grow in the winter are really uh, helpful for boosting our immune system. You know, you think like, uh, the citrus fruits, you know, and then foods moving into the spring really help, um, decongest the body. There's a lot of congestion, you know, you think of spring and everything growing and the sinuses and everything kind of going crazy. And so you have more of your de- decongesting foods and then you move into the summer and you have those hydrating foods. It's so hot, the heat dissipating foods. Um, and then you move into the fall 
And you just have some of those, the warming foods, you have some of those detox foods, like in like apples, apple skins are really good for helping to detoxify and flush things out of the body. So I, to me, it's all very fascinating. And, um, and so I try, you know, try to eat, uh, more seasonally. Yeah, that is such good information. And I'm sure that there are people that are listening to this that are just going, oh my gosh, I've never heard this before. Because before I went to nutrition school, I'd never heard this before either. Just the concept of eating what's in season, which should be something that's intuitive. But many of us, because of, you know, stress, lifestyle, whatever it is, we get into a routine and we rely on the same old, same old. And for a lot of people, you know, it's the same old packaged process things, and it's not necessarily the fresh things. And so, you know, just for somebody who is listening and wants to get started adding in more whole foods, more plant foods, what would be, what would you say would be a good place to start? That would be easy and doable this fall right now with what we have in season. Oh yeah. I think, um, just, just trying to incorporate intentionally incorporate like two to three things that are fall foods, you know, just bringing that in on the regular apples are a great one. Like I just mentioned, um, the skins in particular, the pectin in the skins are really helpful for fleshing out the body. Um, uh, the, the inside of the apple, you know, really helps, um, with digestion. You have antioxidants there, you have your pumpkins and, you know, your squashes, any of those that appeal to you, um, your root vegetables, you know, and any of that, your carrots, parsnips, things like that. Those are all a really good place to start. And a lot of this, you know, we don't, we think of it seasonally and yet we don't, we think, oh, it's time to eat pumpkins. It's time to eat pumpkin pie, <laughs> you know, cause we're, you know, we think of that for Thanksgiving and such, but, um, think of the reason for that. Um, because that's what was available. You know, when we think of like the first Thanksgiving, um, what was the first Thanksgiving meal were things like pumpkins, corn, uh, venison and seafood. I mean, that's not, you know, really what we think of as traditional, um, Thanksgiving meal, but that's what was available in, in regional and seasonal at that time. So, um, you know, it's almost kind of hard to know aside from that, aside from those kind of traditional foods, what really is in season because everything's all mixed up every, you go to the store and everything's available. But one way that you can tell is, you know, usually at the store, these are the things that are, um, they'll be better priced at this time. Like, I don't know if, you know, if you ever notice you go and sometimes apples are like astronomical, you know, like the prices of, of an organic apple. And I, I do recommend buying organic apples because they are one of the, the, uh, more pesticide um, things, but, um, but you come into the fall and there, you get such a price break because they are seasonal, you know, and so I'm like, Oh good. I can afford the honey crisps. Awesome. Um, so anyway, that's one way to look, but just, you know, picking a few that appeal to you and, and starting there. Yeah. I find it interesting that we've turned a lot of vegetables into dessert during this time of year, (laughs) (laughs) like sweet potato. Like I I have a sweet potato casserole recipe that I inherited from my in-laws and it's wonderful, but it's basically sweet potato pie that we call a casserole. And so I've changed it and I've added different ingredients and added like almond flour, coconut flour, you know, things like that to change up where it's still, the sweet potatoes are so sweet by themselves Mm -hmm you really don't need the extra cup and a half of sugar or whatever it calls for, you know, but I've, right. I find it interesting that we've taken these nourishing fall foods and then we just added loads of sugar to them and I turned know. them into pies and, you know, 
quote casseroles that aren't really casseroles. So right. <laughs> <laughs> what are other ways, are there savory ways to use these things? I, Cause some people might only have heard of these things in desserts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love like a butternut squash soup. Um, I love roasted carrots. Um, and there are other, there are savory dishes you can make with pumpkin and such. Um, those are really my, my favorite ways, um, to eat them. I mean, you know, a baked sweet potato with butter and some cinnamon is really good. I mean, it really tastes like a dessert, just like you said, I mean, it's already sweet. And then you put that healthy fat on it and it, and a little cinnamon, it just brings that out. You don't need any sugar. Um, but those, you know, roasting any of the, the root vegetables, um, also, also brings out the sweetness, <laughs> which is something we gravitate towards. Um, but they're really, really delicious, um, that way for sure. I wonder if there's something to that too, you know, the, the root vegetables being sweeter, is that something I wonder our, if our bodies need or historically have needed during those times, maybe even as a, um, support during times when things are more scarce, you know, I don't know if you've mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Just... Well, those root vegetables they're you know, they're a more dense, um, vegetable as far as carbohydrates go. Um, and you know, when you cook them, it does bring out that sweetness. And, you know, I think a lot of the, um, the vegetables and the fruits, I mean, they're supposed to taste good for us, you know, and the reason that, uh, fruits are so appealing and they're so prevalent in the summer is that we are supposed to be attracted to them and want to eat them because too fat enough for the winter. I mean, historically that's how it was. I mean, when times were lean and there was no choice, there was no popping into your grocery store to get what you want. You had to rely on the seasonality of summer and the, you know, early fall to, to put on a little weight, you know? Um, so you would have some energy to burn in the fall. And so those are supposed to be attractive to our palate. Now, you know, with so much processed food in the world today, um, a lot of us can't appreciate those. And so I think that's why there's such a benefit to doing, um, you know, a sugar detox or something like we do in feast to fast, where you are resetting your palate, resetting those pleasure sensors in the brain so that you can get back to really enjoying real food for what it is. Mm. And when you do, then you do appreciate like a big sweet potato with, for all of its sweetness, but it's hard to even taste that natural sweetness when, um, your palate's so messed up from like, um, you know, Doritos yeah. <laughs> or whatever <laughs> yeah, hyper palatable foods. Totally. It hijacks our taste buds. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yep. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that's, that's a good point. And I think that there's an enjoyment to those foods that we often don't get to experience when we are so used to the other things that we frequently consume due to convenience or mm-hmm. availability or habit, you know? Right. Um, so, and having a reset is, is so important in that way. Uh, what about spices? What about herbs and spices? You recently had a podcast episode on your podcast. I mean, I say recently, and maybe it was a few months ago. I don't know. Time is relative for me now, um, but it was really good. And, and you've talked about that pretty frequently. Just there's so much power in herbs and spices that we don't realize that they can be superfoods. We focus yes. a lot on things like broccoli and kale and all of that, but spices and herbs are very powerful. So I'd love for you to maybe touch on that. Yeah. And when we think historically, this is one way that our ancestors would have really packed in some nutrition. Um, when antioxidants, everything, when they, they didn't have all, you know, all these vegetables available to them. Um, you know, there's kind of that, the order of powerfulness. So your, 
your vegetables, you know, good opportunity for some, um, some powerful, um, you know, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, then your herbs, and then your spices are the most powerful really, cause they're the most concentrated source. And so for, um, times that are leaner, like the winter, or maybe for people who don't digest, um, a lot of veg well, and there are people like that because, um, a lot of our, you know, guts are kind of so compromised in modern times. And a lot of people have trouble with a lot of vegetable, but you can get, um, pack a lot of punch in herbs and spices. And so I love things like oregano, you know, which is a, a, you know, basically known as nature's antioxidant, um, cinnamon, like we were talking about is really good and known for, um, blood sugar, helping to control blood sugar and reestablish insulin sensitivity. Um, rosemary is awesome for the brain and memory. In fact, every day I go on a walk, I walk for about three miles and I pass by this rosemary bush and always pick off a little rosemary. And then I chew on it as I'm walking and, um, and I love it. I'm like, oh, I'm making my brain smarter <laughs> as I go, um, like turmeric, you know, a great anti-inflammatory, um, there's just so many ways to use that. And again, I feel like, um, our ancestors could not pop into a, you know, a CVS, a, you know, a pharmacy and like, oh, I have a headache. I need some Advil. You know, they had to rely on plant medicine and what was available. And so um, a lot of these compounds in these, these different plants um, really uh, serve us well as far as um, our health goes. And so I, I just think that's fascinating as well. Again, we've kind of been disconnected and um, lost sight of that. Um, but then also like, um, using some of these herbs, if you notice most uh, cultures, you know, regions have their, they're kind of their own accompaniments that go with foods. Like, um, I love making pesto. I say pesto is the best dough. It's one of my catchphrases and I'll make pesto with cilantro, which is a great detoxifier, um, or parsley, which is wonderful for digestive health. Um, or even like if I have some greens, I need to use like a spinach or arugula. I've made pesto with that, that are like a chimichurri sauce or salsa, you know, all of these, um, these kind of, um, compounds that are these little kind of accompaniment side dishes that we, we find culturally around the world. I mean, if you look at that, it's really just bringing together herbs and spices and, and things like that. And, and traditionally those would have been added to foods and just packed a punch of, um, health benefits, you know? Um, and so I think when people can add those into their diet more spices, you know, not let those be an afterthought, but be really intentional about adding, um, adding spices and, and more herbs into your food. And that's the way that our ancestors would have, uh, made food more, um, got more variety out of their food, more flavor. Um, you know, because again, they would have been more limited into what, they, they had available to them, but they could really change things up, you know, based on some of these herbs and spices. Yeah. That is such helpful information. I love that about the rosemary, <laughs> That's, yeah. you know, cause I've killed a rosemary plant before. I know it's very hard to do, but I just, I said, bye. it's not my rosemary plant. It's a neighbor's that I, there's like this big bush by I their mailbox. Like, like that. Right. I just like pluck a little off as I walk by. I'm like, I'm helping prune the bush, but yes, yeah. I too have killed a rosemary plant. I have like a I always say I have this pot graveyard out back mm -hmm. because I kill all my plants. And so yeah. all the, the pots are there. Just wait. I don't know what I'm gonna do with them. <laughs> I know I try, I, I keep trying so far. I've got one plant that's surviving, but it's just a pretty plant in the house. Not like an actual herb plant one day, one day we'll get there. <laughs> so what about, what are your thoughts on, on healthy as these, as seasons are changing, you know, you mentioned how 
our, our bodies change and, and with seasons come different viruses. And of course, right now we're in the middle of virus mania, but mm-hmm. um, what are some ways that we can p- support our immune systems with plant foods and maybe even with meat? And we could touch on that. Cause I know you recently did a carnivore thing, which yeah. I think would be fascinating for a lot of people to hear about. Um, but yeah, what are, how can we support our immune systems with these whole foods? Because that's something we're not getting from the media right now. And I want to touch on that as much as I possibly can. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think just at a very basic level, eating more whole foods than processed foods is going to support your immune system, feed the gut bacteria, which is really the basis um, of our immune system where most of our immune system lines is in the gut. And so um, we have that synergistic relationship with our gut bacteria. We want to feed those um, our little helpers to help boost our immune system. And so um, the more real food we're eating, the better that's going to be. And then, you know, as we talked about earlier, just eating seasonally and considering that with each season, um, it's going to feed the right kind of bacteria that is going to optimize our immune system for that time and for our needs. Um, you know, I would certainly, um, as we go in, like I said, go into this, the fall and winter season would be, um, adding in some apples and citrus fruits, um, some of these spices, the anti-inflammatory spices, you know, like the turmeric, um, and such. And, but just really mostly focusing on real food. I mean, that is, that is the best thing that you can do for your body to uh, shore up your immune system so that it is working on your behalf, working with you and not being dragged. The more you eat processed foods and sugar and such, it really drags down your immune system. So it's less responsive. Um, and we want our immune system to be like Johnny on the spot, <laughs> right, right there, um, ready to help protect us. And so we can help it by um, nourishing it and giving it what it needs to do its job well. Yeah. And, and I think it's always important to note that that excess sugar, what that does to our immune system after, what is it like four or five hours after we consume sugar, it, it suppresses it. And so yes. I, I always want to touch on that this time of year. And I, of course, now I think we should touch on it at all times, Mm -hmm. but, um, this time of year, you know, we've got the Halloween candy leading into the Thanksgiving feasting leading into really December. It's just kind of a free for all for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like December doesn't count. It's like the vacation (laughs) of, of the months, you know, like how calories don't count on vacation or whatever. It's like sugar doesn't count in December, but it really does. It really does make an impact on our immune system. Mm-hmm. And as we go into really the dead of winter, you know, January, February, um, where we need our immune systems to be really strong, um, what you do, you know, in these fall months really counts um, for that. And so it's it's really something to to think about. Yeah, it, it that sugar drags it down almost immediately. It's kind of crazy. Um, and just think of yourself; it's making you more vulnerable to getting all the things. And we want to avoid a lot of these things happening right now as much as we possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. And what about, what have you read about? Cause one thing I keep seeing popping up over and over again, especially when it, um, in regards to the virus is glutathione and how Mm -hmm. so many people are not producing. And I know I'm one of those people that genetically I am predisposed to not producing glutathione endogenously. And that is our master antioxidant. That's what we need to detox from the toxic load that we're surrounded with. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to know your thoughts on 
on improving glutathione, like even from the, you know, from what we're eating to maybe things we can supplement with or ways that we can improve our detoxification. So we don't get bogged down by everything that's getting thrown at us from the hand sanitizers to the cleaning products on everything to whatever. Right. Well, um, that's one reason that the NAC and acetylcysteine has been, um, one of those supplements really being recommended right now. It is a pre precursor to glutathione, um, really, um, utilized well, as far as helping our body produce glutathione. And so that is one, yeah, I've got in the cabinet right now for sure. And it's, it's been a little bit harder to find, um, because people are looking for it so much, but also there for a while, they were threatening to take it off the shelves, which I think is very ironic since it's very helpful. <laughs> Uh, but, but anyway, that is, that is a really great one to have on hand right now as is, um, zinc and I'm using a, a zinc with quercetin in it, um, that I ordered from organic Olivia that, that quercetin really helps the zinc get into the cell. Well, and zinc is known to help, um, prevent and work against viruses. And so we want to make sure we have enough zinc, you know, vitamin C is a really great one right now, you know, getting that from whole foods, um, maybe boosting a little with supplement. Um, so those are, those are ones that we definitely am th I'm thinking of my, in my kitchen right now, everything I've got out on the, um, I feel like we have so many things out on the counter <laughs> that we use every day. Um, those are big wins. Um, we've also got some nose sprays, throat sprays, like, a the Exlear nose spray with the grape seed in it just to help kind of protect the, um, the nose and be fighting. Um, can I think of it as like a little fighter in there helping to kind of keep things out, you know, of, um, from getting past, um, the nose area into the body throat sprays. We're using a, a propolis spray from beekeeper naturals. Um, just those entry points, you know, um, that come in, can come in just trying to ward off any, as much as we possibly can, you know, um, there are no guarantees with the, with these things. But again, I think by eating real food, supplementing smartly right now, we can really help our bodies, you know, as best we can. Absolutely. It's so important. And I, I mean, this is, this is the time, you know, this is the wake up call for sure for mm -hmm. everybody, for all of us. And I'd love to know a little bit about your carnivore experiment that you went through recently. Um, I've been following that and, you know, we read about the carnivore diet. We read about, you know, and anyway, let's, let's hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, it was, I called it a carnivorish. Um, it was more like an animal-based experiment. And so, um, a true carnivore diet would be just meat basically. Um, but in an animal-based diet would be, um, uh, you know, a lot of meat, animal source foods and very low toxicity plants. You know, I think a lot of, you know, here we are talking about how wonderful plants are and boy, they are, they're amazing. Um, but for some people it can be, um, it can stimulate some immune issues. So for me, I had recently found out I have Hashimoto's. I was kind of blindsided by that fact. I did a blood test and I was like, what? <laughs> I don't feel any of the, um, common symptoms of Hashimoto's. And so it was a real surprise to me. Um, but there are different diet dietary, um, therapies that you can go on for that. And one of the big ones is the autoimmune protocol, which for some reason felt really 
um, overwhelming to me, even though I've recommended that uh, many, many times. <laughs> now I'm like, I feel your pain. Um, perhaps this is the meaning of this whole, this whole Hashimoto situation is to make me a little bit more empathetic. But anyway, for whatever reason, I was like, I just feel like the, like an animal-based experiment just sounds so much easier to do, like more manageable, like the lines are very clear. And so I basically ate um, beef. I cut out Gosh, I ate beef, a little bit of fish and a, a little bit of chicken, but mostly beef. It helps that my husband is a grass-fed cattle rancher. So I had a lot of that available. And then I stuck to the low toxicity plant foods, which was mostly fruit and things like cucumber. Well, that's a fruit too. Um, and squashes, which are actually a fruit, <laughs> mostly fruits, um, because they, um, they do have a, a lower toxicity, quote unquote, level a little bit easier for the body, um, to deal with than some of the vegetables sometimes. Um, so I did it and, um, it was, you know, it was hard. It was, it was very hard to do because I love plant foods and I miss plant foods and I'm back on plant foods and I'm so happy about it. Um, but it was a great experience um, mentally and physically. I mean, um, I had some digestive ups and downs. You can imagine just eating, switching into eating like a ton, a ton of meat. Um, but it was very satisfying. I mean, it, it really helped me. I mean, I didn't crave sugar at all. I have never in my life craved sugar less than when I did this experiment, like ever. Um, it just hit all of those, I think, um, nutritional needs so well, because animal sources of food really provide us so many bioavailable uh, vitamins and minerals, um, that really kind of help calm down a lot of those cravings that we have. And so for that, it was amazing. And, um, you know, I didn't need to lose any weight, but I, I, I did lose a few pounds. Um, just, and, but I think a lot of that was just, I mean, I really ate when I was hungry. I mean, it really helped my body get back to normal hunger and, um, fullness cues, you know, I think really help regulate that the leptin and ghrelin signaling. Um, and so for that, it, I, I was, I'm so glad I did it. And I, I will probably do little resets, I think with those. Um, and I think in a really natural time to, to do that would be in the winter. Um, you know, when we're thinking seasonally, I've been thinking about that, um, that seasonally speaking, that would be the time when our ancestors really, would be leaning into more, um, you know, meat, uh, fat and that kind of thing, because everything is, you know, not growing. Um, if we're thinking or, you know, ancestrally, um, so I might do it again, you know, for sure. It did not bring down my antibody numbers, which was something I was hoping. Um, so it did not do that. Um, but it also, because I did a blood test afterwards to kind of see where things were, but it also did not like make my cholesterol skyrocket or make my, you know, any other markers go crazy, or, you know, to any unhealthy levels, everything else pretty much remained, um, steady and the same, but it, it did not help my antibody numbers. So that was kind of a disappointment, but it was a worthy experiment. Nonetheless, I'm really glad I did it. Yeah. That's so fascinating. And I think it's important, you know, even what you said about doing it as a reset, I think the same goes for thing like going vegan for a short period of time, mm -hmm. give your liver a break or whatever. Those things are, are great in the short term for a reset. They mm -hmm. just might not be an always thing. Right. And you, you have such a good balance of, you know, 
eat plants, eat meat. They're both, you know, helpful. They're both here. They're both available to us. And I even think about when you were talking earlier about we have things at the right season at the right time, you know, to fight off whatever we need to fight off makes me think of even breast milk, right? Like how breast milk is so packed with nutrients. And when mom gets sick, or if there's something going on, there's antibodies that are more present for the baby. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's true in our food that not many of us are embracing is that there's so, there's so many nutrients in meat and it's available to us. It is you know, we don't have to go the hard way and like find this overly processed, whatever it is just to get those, you know, with the, I don't know. And and so I love that approach so much. Um, and when would you recommend somebody going the opposite of carnivore and doing maybe a vegan type of experiment or reset? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I do one, we, well, and we only do it for three days, but, um, I do one seasonally, actually at the, uh, at the turn of each season. And so I'm about to do one, um, with some of my clients called the equinox detox. So I line, I like to line it up at the transition of the season. That's very, again, a very historical, natural ancestral thing to do that with the transition of season, um, you just, you kind of prepare your body and, and I do eat a lot of protein naturally. I mean, I, you know, plants and I eat animal foods, I think, each food kingdom has their strength and what they offer us. Right. But I do, I do believe that kind of cycling out protein here and there is good for our bodies to do. And so, um, with the transition of each season, I do like a little three day, basically plant based vegetarian, little detox and focus seasonal on what is in season, um, in keeping uh, protein very low. Whereas normally I try to get a pretty good amount of protein in my diet, but just to give the body a little bit more um, option for cleansing and and releasing. And I think the fall is a really great time to do that as well. That is awesome. So what are some of your, your favorites right now? What are you relying on just to make it through (laughs) the, the craziness of fall, which I know it can be a very busy time for a lot of people. What are your favorites right now? Just for whole, you mentioned some of the supplements, but what are your favorite meals? What, What about exercise? All of that. Hmm. Um, well, I am really, I've been in the habit for the last 20 years of going on a daily walk outside. I think getting into nature, connecting with nature is also something that's very important for, um, our bodies, our microbiome, our immune system, um, getting outside, breathing the fresh air. And so I go for about a three mile walk every day. Um, and that's just been, you know, I don't do any like crazy working out weird, you know, crazy workouts. It's just really walking. And that has served me well over the years. Um, so that, um, meals we are, well, you know, our schedule has gotten so crazy with the onset of school and sports and such. Um, but we've been doing a lot of, um, kind of some casserole things. My life saver meal has been, uh, using some kind of meat like chicken or ground beef and an organic bottle of barbecue sauce, those two things. And I put them in my instant pot and we eat that all the time. And we either eat it on like sweet potatoes and potatoes or like rolled up in a tortilla uh, or on a gluten-free bun. I mean, that has been a life saver of a meal. And we eat that quite often. I have to say, 
but my kids are like, yes. Um, I've been making chicken pot pie lately, which has just been so good because, you know, I'll, I'll saute up some carrots and some onions and some celery, put some green peas in there, um, and use like a gluten-free crust and a gluten-free mushroom soup. And my family gets so excited when I make that. And that's just a great way to get in some vegetables, um, you know, into the meal and, um, just really easy to, to pull together. So we've been loving that. Um, we have been, have been really on the liver desiccated liver pills for a while now. So that's kind of what I've been using in addition to, so the other things I was talking about earlier, like the N-acetylcysteine and the zinc recursitin and, and the nose sprays and such, those are kind of the extra boosters for right now for the season we're in the kind of our everyday go-to for, I mean, I consider it a multivitamin are the desiccated liver pills. Um, I, we do have a lot of liver available to us. Like, as I mentioned, because my husband's a, a grass-fed cattle rancher, however, I just cannot took it down. <laughs> I'll be as much as I've tried. I'm not giving up because it took me a long time to, uh, finally like sardines. Um, I did not like that either, but I, I kept at it and now I really do like them. So I'm not giving up on eating the liver, but in the meantime, we are taking, um, the liver capsules as our multivitamin. Um, and so love that I've been drinking some Rishi coffee. I drink one cup of mushroom coffee every day. Really awesome. You know, really good for immune boosting as well. So, um, you know, and still, you know, like I said, getting out in nature, trying to get some sunshine before it gets, uh, you know, too cold as the, as the months come on, but I do have a, I do have a red light that I like to use also. I can't get out in the sunshine and for red, red light. So yeah, those are just kind of the the things I try to, you know, do regularly, um, just to keep things moving along here and staying healthy as we can. Yeah. Those are, those are great tips. I, I love the shout out to liver <laughs> Yeah, because man, I, that's something I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I actually love sardines. That's kind of been my thing. I've been hooked on lately is sardines <laughs> in a, in really? a salad mix with one of the primal dressings. That is like my go-to easy throw it together, it's real easy. fast lunch. Yes. So good. Um, along with like the barbecue sauce and the, that also, but the liver, I know I, that's a food that we're not getting in our modern day diet and we need it. And yeah. so I, I like that just getting it in pill form. That's, that's a good, that's a good, yeah. Idea. I mean, organs in general, you know, mm. again, looking at, you know, ancestrally, you know, they would have eaten the organ meats, um, and not overlook those. In fact, a lot of those would have been the first things they would have eaten. They're so nutrient dense, you know? Um, and so that is something we are really missing from the modern diet and that's where there's just so much nutrition packed in there. And so we mostly use the liver, but I will vary it up sometimes and order, you know, kind of an other combination of, of different organs, um, intestines, and this sounds really gross, but just, you know, you can't taste it. It's in a capsule, which that's the beauty of it is that you can't yeah. taste it. And so, um, but it's, I feel like it's been really, really helpful. Great for energy. Cause there's a lot of available, uh, B vitamins in there and vitamin A and zinc and, um, just, so, you know, foley, so many things that we need. And, um, and I feel like our body really recognizes it well, because it's a whole food, you know, as opposed to maybe more of a, a synthetic, um, vitamin, you know, our body's yeah. always going to recognize a real food better and, and utilize it more efficiently. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, <laughs> 
I, I remember reading oh, it was some explorer's tale of, you know, like Lewis and Clark type of expedition where it's like they always left the lean parts of the meat on the animal that was left last. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted that part because that wasn't sustaining anybody. You know? right. And so I think we have it so backwards and the stuff where we can, the things we can really utilize the nutrients that's in the, like you said, all those parts that were like, Ew, that's gross. I don't want it. <laughs> right. Like, yes, the organs and even, you know, even the fats, um, the healthy fats that would have been um, a really important part of, um, you, you know, energy for them back in the day. So, yeah. Yeah. It's important. Now, speaking of let's talk about feast of fast. We have a new round starting November. I don't remember the first It's the first. It is November mm-hmm. 1st. It's the first because um, the Monday is a first. So we're, we're starting it out with a bang. Awesome. And I'm so excited about that because that program has been helpful for so many people. And that is your baby. <laughs> that is it your is. program that you <laughs> put together. Um, and so I'd love for you to make a little plug about why, you know, people should join feast to fast. Why, why it is something that is so beneficial and so necessary right now. And th- at this time, right. Well, as we're moving into the holiday season, like you said earlier, I think we, we kind of like go from Halloween till new year in a lot of us just throw in that towel, throw in the towel and just like, ah, I'll start in January. But like we talked about earlier, so important to make sure we're helping our immune systems right now. Uh, the last two months of the year are where most people gain the most weight. So it's like, they're going to gain weight over a year. It's in the last, those last two months of the year, because people just, you know, want to turn the other way and just go to town on the holiday eating and say, they'll start over in the new year. Um, and it's just detrimental for on so many levels. And so when we do um, the Feast of Fast starting in November, we're moving into the holiday season with a little more intention and accountability. And I think the great thing about Feast of Fast is that you can still, you know, eat your pie and have your wine and do all that. It's just um, with a little bit more uh, intention and purpose and moderation and not just letting it not, you know, just completely falling off the wagon. And so you have group accountability. Um, and it's easy, you know, there's no like tracking all your macros or logging things in or counting your calories. And I just cannot, I cannot deal with that. So, um, so, you know, it's just a very approachable, um, program. People love it. People get great results. And it just makes me so happy and so happy to have people like you, you know, um, just kind of spreading that availability for other people, you know, and teaching it to your clients. And um, it's just, it's moving along really well. And I'm, I'm just very grateful that it's helping so many people. Yeah. I'm, I think I was really drawn in by it. Just when I heard that you put carbs into categories of real food, carbs, whole food, carbs, heck yeah, carbs, that is just so that's so helpful to put just going, okay, like, what do I really want? What does my body need right now? What sounds good to me? What is going to be nourishing for me? And I I think that's really hard when we're relying on things like macros and counting calories. And like, it just doesn't, it's really hard to make it intuitive, but when mm-hmm. you, with the way that we walk through carbs and the way that we even just talk about the benefits of carbs, I think that that's so helpful. So I'm excited for that round to start. And that is November 1st. And I'll put the link yeah. in um, the notes, the show notes and any other, I mean, where can people contact you and, and give your name, the name of your podcast again, um, your website, yeah. all of that. Uh, you can find me. I'm the Christian nutritionist everywhere, you know, Facebook, Instagram, that's my website. Uh, the podcast is the Christian health club podcast. And um, so we talk about just all kinds of stuff, but this is really my favorite because 
um, just really connecting to, um, the way God made our bodies and the way God made our bodies to work in relationship to the earth, which is also creation. It's just always, you know, say like the way we work in relation to creation, we're all, you know, all a part of his creation and and meant to work together with, you know, the sunlight and the plants and the animals and water and all of those things. And that's what really fascinates me. And, um, so I love today's conversation getting just to kind of talk about that. And, um, I think a lot of people like, you know, we kind of start out with kind of, you know, become disconnected from that and just bringing them back to that compass of, um, how our bodies, um, work and what they really need and just bringing attention to that. So, um, I'm just grateful to, to be here and have had that option and opportunity. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. This it's always so fun to talk to you and just kind of pick your brain a little bit. And we, we covered a lot of topics that I, yeah. I find fascinating. It's just fun to talk about. So thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.